My parents are divorced and remarried. So are my husband. So we have eight aging parents. So I often have that conversation with them. They, they love me. I'm a great dinner guest because I'm like, hey, if you were on life support, what would you want to happen? <laughs> Hello, my friends. Welcome to Strictly Money, where we discuss all types of financial issues Canadians care about. Okay. How many of you watching or listening have a will? Be honest. I'm going to guess that less than half of you do. And that's because that would be in line with the overall statistics. You see, research shows that less than 50% of Canadians who should have a will actually have one. Now, I can't stress the importance of having a will enough. Erin Burry and her husband, Kevin, started Willful, an online estate planning tool to make sure all Canadians have a will. She is on a mission to make sure this happens, and I am very much aligned to our mission. So I hope you enjoy this show. Hi, Erin. Welcome back to Strictly Money and welcome back from maternity leave. How's the family? Thanks, Sajal. Everything is great. On our end, we have a two-year-old and a four-month-old and my husband's now on parental leave, so she is in good hands. Oh, wonderful. Now, did you feel like you could focus on the kids or was your mind on the business? I always wonder this as a fellow entrepreneur. You know, I think as an entrepreneur, you sign up for a life of going above and beyond and being available. 24 7 but I've actually found it's been such a blessing to be a parent and an entrepreneur because I can build flexibility into my schedule you know I'm able to set a culture of flexibility at willful I'm able to do daycare pickups and drop-offs and take breaks during the day as needed so that flexibility has been really key uh, did I take a break completely? No, because I love the business and I wouldn't be an entrepreneur if I didn't. But our COO, Julia, who acted as interim CEO while I was away, did a fabulous job. And I can't say enough about how grateful I am to be able to have stepped away and spent that time with our new baby. That's wonderful. Well, I have to say, I'm really glad you're here. And, and you know, Erin, one of the things that I always say is, is I think some of the best business ideas are born out of someone going through something or seeing something and recognizing there's a glaring gap. And and you and your husband, Kevin, started Willful in 2017 because you went through something or saw something. So can you take our audience back to that time and, and walk through why you decided to start Willful? Absolutely. Well, one of the most common questions we get when we meet people is, oh, are you two estate lawyers? And we always say, no, actually, I mean, we work with estate lawyers in each province, but our background is we were people that wanted to see this product in the world. You know, we had a loved one, Kevin's uncle, who passed away unexpectedly. He actually did have a will, so good for him, but he had never discussed funeral or burial wishes. And Kevin and his family were scrambling, trying to find important paperwork, talking to his colleagues about, you know, did he talk to you about whether he wanted to be cremated and just sitting around saying, are we doing the right thing? You know, are we doing what Uncle Dave would have wanted with these decisions? And that really led us to a conversation with each other about, well, what would you want? And hey, we don't have a will. Your Uncle Dave made it a lot easier on their family because he had one. And when we looked into getting our own will done, we were quoted, you know, over a thousand dollars each at a time when we definitely didn't have that type of budget to be spending on getting it done. And that really led us to think, could we use technology to make this process easier, more affordable, more convenient? less intimidating uh, and help people record not just the the legal documents, but also funeral burial wishes, 
asset lists, and other key pieces of information that their family will need when they pass away. So that's really what led us to this spark of inspiration for Willful. Ah, oh, wonderful. Well, I'm going to run through a survey, or it was a survey done. This is a stat. This um, this is not going to surprise you. It might surprise our audience. So this survey was done by Angus Reid Institute early 2023. 34% of people between 55 and 64 do not have a will. So 66% do. Not bad, not great. (laughs) We can do better. Now, 69% of people between the ages of 35 to 44 don't have a will. You know the importance of it. I know the importance of it because I talk about this all the time. So I want to unpack all the reasons why people don't get a will. And let's just address, you know, all these myths and misconceptions. The first one that I hear, and, and you, I'm sure you do as well, is they have more time. Doesn't need to be done right away. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of like saying after you get in a car accident that you should have had insurance, right? The time to buy car insurance is before anything happens, just in case, right? And I think that's the same with estate planning is there is, to your point, this feeling that, oh, it's something I can put off until tomorrow, because obviously, all of us expect to or hope to live until we're 100 and be in great health. But wills and estate planning in general is all about being prepared before the plans are needed, being prepared for the unexpected. And unfortunately, as we've seen from you know, celebrities like Chadwick Boseman passing away than a will, it's not just people passing away at 90 years old, it's happening at all different ages. And so that I really try to dispel by saying, you just want to have this in place just in case. I really hope we all live to be 100. If we don't, these plans are in place for our families. And it's kind of like life insurance. You know, you don't buy life insurance at 30 years old thinking you're going to pass away at 35, but it's there in case you do so your family is protected. It really is about making sure those left behind have that peace of mind as well and aren't stressed, right? They're already going to be grieving your loss. But um, like you said, the things that you went through with your uncle, yeah, you're, it's just, it's a very stressful time if things are not in order. Um, do you think fear plays a role? Absolutely. I mean, if you've ever been to a loved one's funeral service, you know that that really sparks you to think about your own choices. And it tends to be only those moments when we're confronted with death that we contemplate our own mortality. Otherwise, we do pretty much everything we can as a society to not think about death, (laughs) even though it's the one true inevitability in life. Uh, And I also have heard people say that, oh, I don't want to spend time on that because somehow it will hasten it. It'll make it happen and faster, it will invite it into my life, which obviously is not true. And listen, I mean, I agree, it's not always the most fun to think about. Often people will say to me, you know, at Willful, don't you find it depressing? Or, And I always say, no, actually confronting my mortality every day makes me live life more intentionally. It makes me more grateful for my family, for my health. It makes me uh, not always, but usually not sweat the small stuff and really remember at the end of the day what matters and having a conversation about how you want to be remembered, what your legacy would be, how your family can feel like they're doing right by you is a real gift that you can give that. And it should be a positive conversation, not one that is this dark, depressing thing. And so I always suggest start with that question 
what do you want your legacy to be? Because, you know, that can be include more fun aspects, whether that's donations to charity or memorial services that, you know, I want mine to have pizza and an open bar. These don't have to be dark, depressing conversations. I couldn't agree more, right? Yeah, it's it's a shift in mindset. Just, um, you know, what do I want my legacy to be? It's, it's a lot more positive to think about. Another one that I I hear a lot is, I don't need one. Why spend the money when the government is going to decide for me? What's wrong with this? Oh, I hear that. (laughs) I hear it a lot. I hear that all the time. And, uh, you know, there are a couple of things. So first of all, a will is not just about who gets your money. You know, it's about appointing an executor who's going to wrap up your estate. It's about appointing a guardian for minor children or pets. It's about ensuring that charities or friends or people that aren't in your immediate family are accounted for. So that's the first thing is don't just hold off on a will because you think, oh, the government's going to give it to who I would have given it to in my will anyways, because a will covers so much more. The second part of that is that government formula. So if you pass away without a will in every province, there's a government formula that dictates who gets your assets. Typically, uh, if you have a spouse, everything's going to a spouse. But if you're like me and you have a spouse and young children, especially those under the age of 18, it would be split between your spouse and your young children. And those funds would be held in trust until your child turns 18. So if I passed away tomorrow, a lot of my net worth is going to be tied up in a trust that's inaccessible, you know, until my child turns 18. And I don't want that. I would want my spouse to get everything to be able to use those funds. And then if he passed away as well, then of course, it would go to the children. So I would encourage you if you're listening to this, watching this, to make sure you check that formula, know who it's actually going to get educated. And does that actually match your wishes? Because in 15, 20 minutes, for less than $100, you can get a will that dictates your wishes that make sure it's going to the right person. Uh, and often that government formula doesn't actually reflect those wishes. And, and, you know, I always say the government uses a cookie cutter formula, but they don't know your fa- family dynamics the way you do. Exactly. And same with um, common law spouses, Sajel. I mean, that's one that always gets me is in provinces like uh, Quebec specifically, if you have a common law spouse that you've been living with for 20 years, even, you know, the majority of your lifetime, but you're not legally married and you pass away without a will, that common law spouse is entitled to nothing. Now, this depends on which province you're in. Some provinces do account for... Right, because Ontario is different. Ontario is a bit different, but you know, you definitely want to make sure whether it's common law spouses, your best friend, that charity that you care so much about, they're never going to be accounted for in that government formula. It's really just immediate family members. So, and you know, you might not have a great relationship with one of your immediate family members. If you're not married, that's going to go to your parents. If you don't, if your parents aren't alive, it's going to go to your siblings. Maybe you haven't talked to your brother in 20 years and that's something that you really wouldn't want to happen. Well, then have a will that dictates those choices. Absolutely. Now, this one I also hear a lot. Um, We need life to be settled so we don't have to change the will. So they wait. They wait for the for everything to be right. Doesn't work that way. It doesn't. I mean, it's kind of like in in business or in our personal lives, especially with two young kids. Done is better than perfect. You know, I often hear this. I'm going to wait until I'm older because I don't want to have to update the will. Or people will say, you know, um, I'm gonna I'm I'm having a kid in a year. I don't want to make changes. 
I think there is this behavior with a will where it is a one and done, then and forget it document that sits in a filing cabinet gathering dust for decades. And when the person passes away, it's completely outdated. It doesn't reflect their, their family situation. Maybe they've moved provinces, they've gotten divorced, they've had multiple children, or they've had a falling out with someone they've named in the will, like their executor, but that document doesn't serve them very well. So what I would say is, Done is better than perfect. Having a will, even if you aren't 100% sure about some of the decisions that you're making, like a guardian for your children, that's one that people often struggle with. Having someone named in the will is better than leaving it up to the courts to decide. And it's much easier in 2024 to update a will than it used to be in 1974. Back then, you had to go back to the same lawyer, pay hundreds of dollars, schluff yourselves down to the lawyer's office in person. Now it's much easier. You can use a tool an online tool like Willful, make updates directly in the software platform, or you can you know, hold virtual appointments with lawyers or professionals so that you're not having to go back in person. Okay, that's really interesting because that was my next question to you. Is it easy to update? Like, I, I have someone who says, well, I'm just going to write some notes on my old will and sign it and have a witness sign it. Does that work? So you can write a holograph will in most provinces in Canada where you can just write your will on a piece of paper. So if you're someone who says, my budget is zero, but I want to get this done, make sure, you know, we have some great content in Willful's Learn Center that outlines where holograph wills are legal, but you can handwrite a will. In terms of amendments to a will, you can make amendments to a will, but there are provincial requirements around who has to sign it, who has to witness those handwritten amendments. So, um, you know, always check that to make sure. The best practice is either going back to that professional you created it with, like a lawyer or a notary, depending on your province, and having them make what's called a codicil, which is just an amendment. Uh, or if you don't want to pay that FD hourly fee, you can make updates using a platform like Willful. You would just log in, you know, make those updates, for example, changing who your executor is or adding a child, for example. And then you would just have to re-execute the will. So print it, sign it, witness it. Because unfortunately, as I know we're going to talk about later, wills are still very paper-based even in 2024. They are. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, Erin. We're going to hear from our sponsors, BMO ETFs, who without, we wouldn't be able to do this show. So uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Are you looking to enhance the level of cash flow from your investments? BMO ETFs has you covered with their covered call ETFs. These ETFs generate cash flow from two sources, the dividend yield from the underlying securities and the premium generated from selling the call options. BMO covered call ETFs strike a balance between generating cash flow and participating in the growth of rising markets with your experienced portfolio management team and effective strategy with over 10 years of history. BMO ETFs is the largest covered call ETF provider in Canada, covering 13 covered call ETFs across a range of strategies across regions, countries, and sectors. Visit BMOETFs.com to learn more. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus of the BMO ETFs before investing. Plug your ears, men. Ladies, did you know that I have a free money masterclass? I do. And this is where I teach my trademarked financial freedom framework. So if 2024 is the year you want to conquer your financial goals, go to the show notes, find the masterclass link and sign up. But you got to hurry because spots fill up. I'll see you there. 
Welcome back. I'm here with Erin Burry, CEO of Willful. Erin, when someone does it or decides to do it themselves, you know, create a will, they still have to go through a lot of decisions, right? Who they should pick as an executor, um, how they should divide assets between children, who should be the guardian of their underage children. How, where do they start? How do they make that decision? And, and how does willful help? Yeah, Sejal, I often hear people say, you know, a will's too complex. It's too overwhelming. I have to get my financial statements. I have to have all these conversations. And the truth is a will is a very simple legal document that outlines who gets your stuff, who takes care of children and pets, and who is going to wrap up your estate. So it's really just three key decisions. You don't need to have tax returns and financial statements, but you do have to put some thought into that. So on the executor side, the executor is the person who's going to wrap up your life, who's going to carry out the wishes in your will. It's really a heavy administrative role. They're going to work with often lawyers and accountants. They're going to apply for probate, uh, which is the court formally accepting the will. They're going to do things like liaise with beneficiaries, close accounts from your Netflix account to your bank account. It's a lot of work. And so we definitely encourage, talk to the person first, make sure it's okay, uh, and make sure that person has capacity, right? If your sister has five children, maybe they're not going to be the best choice. Uh, for me, you know, it's very common to appoint a spouse as your executor. So I've appointed my spouse, Kevin. But we also encourage appointing backups. So, you know, if Kevin and I were to pass away at the same time, I've appointed my sister as the backup. I've appointed my mom as a second backup, just in case. So those are some of the things that you want to think about when appointing an executor. Does this person have time? Do you trust them to carry out the wishes in your will? And also, uh, where do they live? Are they close to you? Would they be able to deal with things in your home after you passed away? If you have a, you know, a distant cousin in Australia that you want to appoint, probably logistically not going to be the best choice. And there are tax implications if this person resides outside Canada. So, you know, again, often this is a spouse. It's often a sibling could be a close friend, but having that conversation with them to make sure it's okay is always a great idea. Yeah, I think that is so important. And Eric, you know, I went I went through this when when my brother very suddenly passed away. I was living in Hong Kong. I was still the executor on his wealth. So I understand the tax implications and, and you know, we had to make very different decisions at the time when I did come back. So yeah, so important. And, and sometimes people just think, well, you know, oh, it's my spouse or, you know, I'll just pick this one person as executor. And often they don't tell that person that they're the executor. So really important, you know, a lot of thought has to go into that. So once they complete a will with, say, willful, what happens to that? Should, do they print that document? Do you store it? Um, because that's also a very important piece, isn't it? I know people who have created wills. I can tell you a situation. A, a friend of mine, her aunt passed away. They could not find the will. It took them a while to find a will. They found it. It was notarized. It wasn't signed. <laughs> and so I said, listen, there has to be, the will is around. The lawyer probably has it if it's notarized, but they couldn't locate the lawyer, which goes back to the point of making sure that when you do a will, somebody needs to know about it and needs to be in a safe place. So can you just talk about how that works with Willful? Yeah, it's a great point. And first, I'm so sorry to hear about your brother. I'm sure that was an easy time and um, definitely speaks to the importance of, of planning firsthand. 
yeah, so it's, I mean, it's not just having your will that's important. It's making sure that it's executed properly so it's legally valid and that your executor or key family members know where it is. Aretha Franklin famously passed away. Her family thought she didn't have a will and they actually found handwritten wills in her couch cushions a year later. So you do not want to do what Aretha does. You want to make sure that if you have a will, whether it's handwritten or otherwise, your family knows where to find it so they can actually follow your wishes when the time comes. Uh, In Canada, unfortunately, wills are still quite a paper-based process. So the only province that allows you to electronically sign a will is British Columbia. In every other province, a will has to be printed, signed in front of witnesses who also sign the will, unless you're doing a handwritten will. That's the only one that doesn't require witnesses. So on a platform like Willful, uh, we provide you with a PDF document that has clear instructions page that outlines how to print, sign, and witness it to make it legally valid. And then we advise typically storing it in a safe place that works for you, whether that's a safe or, you know, a filing cabinet, a safety deposit box. But it's really important to make sure if you're going with safe or safety deposit box, the executor can get into that. (laughs) Because if they don't have the combination, they can't get access to it. It doesn't do anyone much good. So really, it's just follow the instructions to make sure it's executed properly, store it in a safe place, tell your executor where it is. And then, you know, when the time comes, they'll be able to, to put it into action. I want to talk about the digital piece because I think that's really important. But before I do, um, one question, POAs, power of attorneys. Now, this is a legal document that gives, you know, someone you trust the ability to make um, healthcare decisions or financial decisions on your behalf. How does that play a role? And can you do that with Willful as well? Great question. Yes, you can. We have a premium coverage plan that includes both will and both power of attorney documents, one for medical, one for financial. I think you have powers of attorney like insurance. You will definitely need a will because we're all going to pass away. Powers of attorney are there in the event that you're ill or injured and you need someone to make decisions for you. So I hope that they never come into play. I hope that no one ever has to make those decisions for you. But we've heard from so many doctors, especially during COVID, these are the most powerful documents you can have in place because without them, families are scrambling. You're going in front of the courts trying to get approval to make decisions. And often these decisions need to be made quickly. So the best practice is just get a will and power of attorney documents done at the same time. Very few decisions involved in a power of attorney, so it doesn't take much time at all. And then you have that peace of mind that they're there if you need them. I think it's so important because often we don't, um, you know, being in the financial space, I know couples that don't talk about money. <laughs> so, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily know what their partner's wishes would be when it comes to their finances and health as well. So it's just a, it's an extra stress that, again, no one needs and, and, a, and a POA would solve that for sure. Exactly. And it's not just, Sajal, about getting it done for yourself. You know, my parents are divorced and remarried. So are my husband. So we have eight aging parents. So I often have that conversation with them. They they love me. I'm a great dinner guest because I'm like, hey, if you were on life support, what would you want to happen? (laughs) Uh, But it's such an important thing to know, not just for yourself, but about your spouse, about your parents. You know, what would they actually want if they were presented with an illness or if they were in a car accident or something happened? Again, these are not the most fun conversations. You can definitely bring wine in, you know, make it a bit lighter. Um, But 
it's our job as adult children to know what our aging parents want, to know whether they have a will. And if they don't, I do think it's our responsibility to help get that done. I sat with my dad, went through the willful process, made sure he had that will executed, made sure I know where it is. Because again, I'm probably going to be the executor for most of these parents and I have a vested interest in knowing they're organized. Yeah, you know, um, Erin, I did the same thing. I was very involved in my parents' um, will. And it was it was funny because in, in their case, we did go to a lawyer um, and the lawyer was kind of like, you know, should you be involved? <laughs> and he made me leave the room until I said, listen, it's, it's their money. They can do whatever they want. I'm just there to support them. And he said, wow, that's, that's, you know, I don't usually see that, but we get involved, you know, and, and I feel at least peace of mind knowing that if something happens to my mom and dad, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do and, and what their wishes are. And, and that's, that's, that's really important. I want to talk about your business because you've been growing. Um, you have partnership deals. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how it's going? Yeah, it's been over six years now. And so we've helped over 100,000 Canadians create their estate plans. We scored a deal on Dragon's Den in 2021. So that was really fun. More recently, we've partnered with great uh, institutions like CIBC, with Meridian Credit Union, really just trying to get willful in front of every Canadian. Our mission at the end of the day is to ensure every Canadian has a valid will. And so partnerships like CIBC just help us get in front of their, you know, size of audience, which is really great. We've also really extended the product suite. So we have wills and power of attorney documents, but we also help you uh, record your funeral and burial wishes. We have an asset list feature that allows you to say, here's who I bank with. Here's you know who I have insurance with and the contact information for my insurance advisor. Because to your point, Sajil, spouses don't always know that about each other, let alone if you're doing this for an adult parent, uh, especially uh, as our digital footprint gets bigger, right? You can record, hey, do I have any cryptocurrency? that you need to think about, which increasingly we do. So yeah, it's been really exciting to see the product grow and just to see, I think, wills become a bigger part of the conversation nationally as we have this aging boomer population, as we have more digital assets like cryptocurrency. I've started to see more people willing to have this conversation and people like you who are shining a spotlight on it. So it's, it's really great to see and we're excited to continue to digitize the process. As I mentioned, there are laws that prevent us from being able to take that process fully online. But I'm very hopeful that in the next five to 10 years, every province will allow digital signatures and wills, storing executed wills online. And that will just make it even easier for people and create better access to justice. I wanted to ask you about that. What, what's the holdup? So you said BC does it. And if I'm correct, this happened during COVID, didn't it? Because a lot of people were rushing out to to get wills and they and they couldn't meet in person. Um, so BC pulled the trigger. Why is everybody else lagging? It's a great question. I mean, I think uh, the the legal profession is quite traditional, and so these things take time. I think it's a matter of when, not a matter of if. But it does take time to gain support. There are some folks who are against bringing things online because they've been doing the same thing for thirty years and it works for them. So why fix what's not broken? Whereas our perspective is, you know, to your point over half of Canadian adults don't have a will. One of the main reasons is accessibility. You know, folks who are have a disability, who live in a rural area, 
cost is a main barrier. And so we can solve for some of those things like cost and convenience with Willful, uh, but we can't solve for the full end-to-end process without laws changing. So I'm very hopeful, you know, in the U.S., we've seen multiple states allow uh, e-wills, digital wills, and storing wills online. So BC was the great, you know, first step. And now we're hoping the other dominoes will fall because ultimately it's just better for Canadian consumers. Well, and it gives them choice. I mean, some people may not want to use digital, right? They may want to go in person and that's completely fine, but at least it gives them, it gives them choice. Erin, thanks so much for coming on. I'm, I'm going to have a link to your website and um, social media posts uh, in the show notes. So for those uh, watching and listening, I really urge you to check out Willful. Now, before I let you go, I, Erin, um, I asked my guests three rapid fire questions and I know I'm springing this on you. Um, are you ready to play? I'm ready. I'm excited. Okay. What is the best financial advice you've received? Oh, good question. Probably to embrace the power of compound interest. I opened an RRSP at my first full-time job upon the advice of my mom because the time horizon for investments and the power of compound interest can be so powerful. So I'm very glad that I did that and would encourage anyone listening to start investing yesterday, even if it was, I mean, for me, it was 20 bucks. Yeah, I love it. I uh, I did the same thing. I remember getting my first job at 16 Walmart <laughs> back in northern Manitoba. And, uh, and that's what I did. I put a percentage of my paycheck every month towards an RSP. And I'm so glad I did. What is the worst financial advice you've received? Oh, uh, don't quit your full-time job to go work at a startup or to become an entrepreneur because it's too risky. Ah, good one. False. Well, maybe true, but I'm so glad that I did. And uh, yeah, I'm a big proponent of taking risks early, which I did in my early 20s before I had kids, the mortgage, the whole nine yards. Well, if you don't take risks, you don't know. You don't know what's on the other side, right? You can always go back to that full-time job. Exactly. It's there. Um, If you could impart one message to our audience um, that would help them level up their finances, what advice would you give them? Well, no surprise, I would say think of estate planning as a key part of a financial plan. You know, we often think of financial planning as budgeting, how we spend our money, how we save our money. But estate planning is where our money goes when we pass away. And we work really hard in this lifetime to build up our wealth. And um, so, yeah, my advice is make sure that's, that you're maximizing how you pass that on. And I should also say, Sujil, I run an online will platform. It's like TurboTax for estate planning. It's, it's a great solution. But, you know, my ultimate goal is to make sure everyone has a will, regardless of how they choose to get that done. So if you want that legal advice with a lawyer, if you have a complex situation, if you want to write your will on a piece of paper. Make sure it complies with your provincial laws, but just get it done regardless of how you choose to do it. Couldn't agree. And I think people do forget that it is a key part of a financial plan. Um, Like you said, people work so hard. Why leave it up to someone else to decide what your legacy is going to be? Erin, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Sajil. Appreciate it. Erin Burry, CEO of Willful. Well, that does it for this episode of Strictly Money. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and I'll see you back here next week. Until then, stay well, stay wise and stay wealthy.